Hey, Laura. Yeah? You want to talk about Leo Old Sport? Yes, please. I really do. Welcome, gentle listeners, to Let's Talk About Leo. This is the podcast where we discuss the body of work of Leonardo DiCaprio, one film at a time. I am Meredith, and with me, as always, is my darling sister and fellow Leo lover, Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. Uh, This week, we are discussing Leo's best hair role yet and a stellar performance to boot in The Great Gatsby. But before we dive into that, how are you, my dear sister? Um, I'm fine. That's, I mean, nothing's new. I have nothing to report. Nothing to report. (laughs) No. Um, My mailman yelled at me today and uh, told me that my dog was threatening and that I needed to lock her up and I wanted to punch him in the face. But other than that, that's she is a vicious beast. She can. She looks like she can be. Yeah. She she does look like very scary. And her bark is terrifying. And she was doing this thing where she she like leaps like a gazelle. (laughs) <laughs> and um and barks <laughs> and barks at the same time like <laughs> and he he was so the mailman was so scared he was shaking well yeah because he has to go to all these houses where dogs are just running about and yeah, he's expected w- to deliver the mail and these vicious hellhounds come after him he's also a little bit creepy so okay um we no need to insult public servants <laughs> sorry, sorry sorry and you know uh, how much i hate the u.s postal service i know i know i'm surprised you would defend anyone associated with that institution i'm sure he, it's just a job for him i'm pretty sure that he didn't grow up being like the u.s postal service is an admirable thing <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe he um, did you know we could have general listeners that work for the u.s postal service okay i know that and i'm very sorry to offend you it's just that in new york city it is the least functional thing on the face of the planet like people send you mail and you never get it and like anytime someone's like well i mailed it to you i'm like well you might as well have just thrown it in the ocean and expected (laughs) it to get to me that's like how effective it is and then you go to the actual post office and every time you go you end up screaming at someone because they're like insane and they won't even look you in the eye and then they're like excuse me i gotta take a break and they just leave yeah no when i was in brooklyn um when i was sending stuff back home we remember we went to the post office and there was that woman and she like didn't say anything when i walked up to her plexiglass window and then she just like pointed at stuff and then Mm -hmm. i didn't have a pen she didn't have a pen and so she sent me out of the line yeah they don't have pens at the post office yeah for you to write things with like maybe a letter that you want to send in the mail (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> a little correspondence with a friend. <laughs> yeah. I also one time saw a mailman like fully on duty walking up Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn and his friend was like, hey man, why don't you come have a drink with us at the bar? And I saw him take all of the mail that he was supposed to be delivering to people and put it back into the post office box. Oh my God. And I was almost like, my taxes pay your salary. <laughs> <laughs> so I am sure that there are many admirable members of the U.S. Postal Service. I did not mean to impugn your fine work. Uh, however, in New York City, it is it, the least functional governmental service that we have. Um, do you ever notice how many times we like inadvertently quote Titanic? Yes. It's, it's like my life's work. <laughs> yeah. And I you can just, spot people that, that I want to well. hang, hang out with when they recognize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey. I mean, I've been hanging out <laughs> with you since I was born. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, that's really cute. <laughs> I know. We, we've been hanging out for like almost 30 years. Oh, my God. This is... Uh, I'm so excited to celebrate your birthday then. It's also the anniversary of how long we've been hanging out. I know. That's really cool. Good. Yes. Oh, so great. Okay. So great. All right. Anyway, before wait, before I just have something to say before you start the um Leo news. Mm-hmm. Uh I just read an article and it said that Leo said that he had better luck meeting girls before Titanic. Yeah, and that's why he, he dates tiny children models. Yeah. Is that they don't know what he means to us and we they also don't know that he belongs to Kate Winslet. Well, but also like 
where is he supposed to meet like you know a normal human being he he can't he can't just like go to a bar yeah you know? uh, he's he's supposed to just go to the kmart on 34th street mm-hmm. wander around get a slice of pizza <laughs> meet a nice normal girl yep yeah anyway, actually that the was kmart just... on 34th street might not be a bad place to meet a nice normal girl because there's like a mix of tourists and new yorkers whose shoes have broken who mm. just want to get a quick pair of shoes yeah huh yeah. never thought about that before Anyway, uh, do you have Leo news for us? I do. Um, This week in Leo, uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation had its fourth annual gala in Saint-Tropez, and Meredith and Laura were not invited. It's hurtful. It's so ignorant is what it is. (laughs) It's so ignorant. How so? How so? How is it It's so offensive. It's like, we are his only dedicated podcast. It's true. It's not hard to find us. In the world. In the in, world. Okay, so on Instagram, I'll grant you, there's like 500,000 Leonardo DiCaprio fan pages. But they're in the world of podcasting. We're it. We are the stronghold. We are. We are. And also... Uh, We're a tent pole. A tent pole. <laughs> <laughs> we don't just want to look at your face. We want to talk about your work, man. And I know. Um, I know. Including and your, it's like, your work saving the environment. So like... A little consideration would have been appreciated. Did any other podcast pay as much attention to the crisis of the vaquita um, as we did? Probably. <laughs> probably. Probably. I the va- bet you not. I will bet you not. Well, I don't know. The vaquita cast might have. Oh, God. Vaquita cast. I need to start listening to that if that exists. But anyway, all I'm saying is that we are the only Leonardo DiCaprio centric podcast in existence. Others may talk about him. We are dedicated. It would have taken a quick Google to find us. We are on the Internet in many places. And just a little invitation wouldn't have hurt. We can't afford to fly to Saint-Tropez. We can't afford to stay in Saint-Tropez. But inviting us would have been. We would have had to say no, you know. Yeah, we would have had to have declined unless Richard Branson wanted to fly us out there or maybe Al Gore as his honored guests. (laughs) Tom Hanks was also there. Oh, my God. So many. So many beautiful people. Yeah, but I mean, the gala looked great. Madonna had a surprise performance and Lenny Kravitz performed and Kate Winslet was there and they auctioned off things from Titanic and they stood in a row with with Billy Zane. Stop the presses. Say, Say the last three things just again. Because they're beautiful things. Say them again. Madonna? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Lenny Kravitz? Wait, were those not the last three things? I was thinking. I said Kate Winslet was uh-huh. there. And, and then I said stop. things from Titanic. Yeah, and I already previously said stop. So, like, that's what I meant then. I, I know, but I was on a roll, so I didn't oh, listen to you. <laughs> okay, my apologies. I want to talk about Kate, though, and the Titanic reunion heard around the world. Yes. Oh, my God. You may have seen it. We reposted a picture of the reunion of Billy Zane and Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, and it's too much for me, so I need you to take over. And um, Billy Zane said, now we're saving icebergs. <laughs> Go figure. Oh my God, he's such a, an eloquent soul. He really is. I'd like to have him as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's like too much to even think about. Um, I would be like, Billy Zane, what was it like to star as the Phantom? (laughs) (laughs) Well, calling calling out to Billy Zane, if you've got free time, um, you can reach us uh, somehow. Uh, Our email address (laughs) is readily available. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. Like, honestly, you just have to Google. We're right there. Yeah. So just putting it out there for next year's gala. We're here and we'd like to be invited and I don't know, maybe we could do a live podcast. Maybe we could have actors bid to have us, our next season be about them. Yes. Yes. But to be fair, they did raise $30 million in one night and there is an online auction that's continuing, that goes from August 10th to August 23rd. So even more money will be raised and poured right back into saving this beautiful planet that we call home and have ruined. A downer, man. Well, 
I'm sorry, global warming is not like an uplifting topic. It's like, (laughs) I could say, but if you end it with this beautiful planet, then people are like, oh, it is a beautiful planet. Let me go stand on a mountaintop with butterflies on my shoulders. And you can't do that because we killed all of it. Yeah, I bet you're fun at parties. (laughs) I am really fun at parties. (laughs) That's why I go to so many. That's why we weren't invited to this one. Yeah. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch, man. Yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, so uh, now that we've uh, we've uh, discussed my feelings on being snubbed by the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, it was an oversight. It was an oversight. Uh, yeah, a an egregious oversight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Laura, had you seen The Great Gatsby before? Yes. Yes. I, Is that all you have I, to say? I, well, it's hard for me to articulate because I love this movie so much. Um, I think the first time I saw it I know I didn't see it in the theater I saw it like I was house sitting for mom and dad and I don't know if it was like on on demand or whatever it was just on tv and I was like oh Leo sure I haven't seen that and um I watched it and I was like totally I loved it and then I bought it and then I watched it like every day for a week after that nice so I've seen it I've seen it a time or two yeah yeah and you'd read the book right I had read the book. I read it in high school, and then I also read it um, when I first moved to Seattle. So that was like eight years ago or nine Hmm. years ago. Um, And I really appreciated the book much more the second time around because I wasn't being forced to read it. Yeah, and I I love this movie. I love the costumes. I love, well, you know, I just love Baz Luhrmann. I just love him. Yeah, he's pretty delightful. He's so like, also, did you know he's like really sexual? No, like, I've never seen his face, oh but I imagine my God. he looks like a more sexual version of Aaron Sorkin. And Aaron Sorkin is pretty sexual. No, you Google Google him right now. You got I am. See. I'm looking him up right now. He's I am. He's a, he's I'm a on silver the Google fox. machine. Whew. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my God. The first picture, he is at the Gatsby premiere, and he is rocking my favorite tuxedo combination, black pants, white uh, jacket. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, he's a... He's a fine-looking fellow. Wow. Yeah. Makes he me He is not ugly. No, he's not. Whew. <laughs> 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 okay, we got to move on now with that. Um, yeah, so I'd seen it. I just um I've always like had trouble with, you know, everybody talks about like everybody throws Gatsby parties and they don't get the book. If they if you throw a Gatsby party, you don't get the book and I don't know. I just um, I like the way that they did this version. I haven't seen the yeah. other one, though. I didn't see the other version, the Robert Redford one. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that, so I can't compare. I thought this was a fairly good representation of the book. Hmm. Even though it was very different, actually. How about you? Had you seen it before? I had seen it before. Um, I watched it on a plane. I didn't go see it in the theater because it was in 3D and 3D movies make me uh, seasick because I'm a delicate little flower. And so then the first opportunity that I had to watch it was on one of my many cross-country flights going home to visit you guys. Mm. And um, I watched it on the plane, which is probably not the best way to watch movies because it's so tiny. But I remember liking it but not loving it. I love the book. The book is in my top five favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an incredibly difficult adaptation to do. And it's because it's so so much of why the book is great is because Fitzgerald is such a good writer. Yes. And like the the way that that man puts words together is just like you. You're, it's like it's like reading like it's like reading a painting like the way that he says things is just amazing and you lose that a lot in an adaptation of this story and like the story is not that exciting yeah (laughs) like there's actually very few plot points it's pretty depressing the characters are pretty stagnant (laughs) yeah the way that he describes this the visuals of this world and 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 there's not even a lot of like emotional exploration in the book, but his writing is just so beautiful that it's like poetry for the entire, I don't know. It's like 150 pages. It's really not that long either. And, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't even qualify as a novel. It's a novella, but I, so I, I liked, isn't it called the great American novel though? No. Oh, I thought this was the great American novel. Well, there's many great American novels. I thought this was like the road is also a great American novel. No, but the one that the great American novel is like a joke. 
Oh. Like, it's not real. It's the thing that, like, people are supposed to set out to write, but, like, nobody's able to do it. I think this is, like, on a list of great American novels, but, like, the great American novel, when people say it is, like, honestly, like, a joke. They're being ironic. Um, Yeah, so I remember liking it, but not loving it, and there were some changes that were made that I thought were really stupid, but I kind of got why they did it. Um, And there were some things in the movie that were done for the 3D showing of it that are still in it when it's not in 3D, and I was like, that's really stupid. Why? Really? Like, what? Like when uh, Nick is writing and the letters come off the page. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, but why? Why would you do that? Um, And that whole plot line, I think, is the thing that turned me off the most. I thought the casting was impeccable. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought there's like nobody better to play all of these parts than the people that are playing them. And I thought it, you know, it was probably the only better version of The Great Gatsby that I've ever seen is this like 10 hour long stage production that's not really a stage production they basically just like read the book of the they actually read the book in its entirety for you mm-hmm. while like some people kind of acted out in like a 1990s office space it was by elevator repair service it's called gats and that was incredible but the reason that they that that worked so well is that you didn't lose any of fitzgerald's prose mm-hmm. And then every other one you're going to, because otherwise the entire thing would just be voiceover. And it, I think the movie is a little voiceover heavy and voiceover is always kind of lame. But um, I don't know. I think they did the best they could with that and they still managed to tell the, the story. And there's kind of nobody better to do such a, a decadent like cartoonish world like this than Baz Luhrmann so I liked that and I so the casting and the directing were great I think it's just really 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 hard to do the great Gatsby in an adaptation it's and it's also one of those books that's like so near and dear to people's hearts that like it's never going to be right it's like if people tried to do um like Catcher in the Rye you just it would be like why or like 1984 is another one that's so hard and these are all books that you tend to read when you're like between 15 and 19 and like I feel like your brain is just firing in a different way at that time in your life than any other time and like your imagination is firing on all cylinders and when somebody disrupts the world that you created when you were that young you're just like but like all of these characters looked exactly like what I thought they would look like in the book but all three of the uh, books that you mentioned are all like told through the eyes of one character and that's another reason that it's so hard Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to turn a first-person narrative into into uh, like a movie or a TV show. And I think the only way to really do it successfully is to just kind of only use it as source material and not stay very true to it like The Handmaid's Tale has done. Mm. Um, which is a show I have not finished because it's traumatizing. <laughs> well, I think it, one of the reasons that might have this movie might have worked well for me is because I had, I'd read the book like, years before I watched the movie so I didn't remember little details because I'm one of those people that hates when they change something for no reason mm-hmm. so yeah and all the stuff that they change there's a reason for it and I got it but it's still it kind of just like it changes the meaning of the story mm-hmm. in a way that isn't quite fair to the actual point of the book I think I liked that they both gave me the same feeling yeah, and like The Great the Gatsby book. does, like, definitely yeah. set this uh, a scene for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but... Uh, so oh you don't gosh, like it? Sorry. It's not my favorite. I don't dislike it at all. I think it's a solid movie. I just prefer the book. And well, of I, course, yeah. But... It's not even, like... It's not like Little Women, where I love the movie, but I also like the book. It's, like... The book is just leaps and bounds better than any movie could be. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it's like it did the best it could, but it's not, it's not the great Gatsby to me. It's oh. like a whole other beast. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, do we have some trivia facts before we dive into uh, the background and <coughs> plot of this lovely beast? Well, yes, but you just, you just said beast twice. It's funny. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, no, it's just Very funny. Very tired. No, it's funny because I just picture like dogs whenever you say it. Because <laughs> that's what we call my dog, the beast. No, beastie girl. Beastie girl. Um, I have trivia facts, only a few for the movie, but then I have a something special planned for later. Okay. 
Okay. So, um, <clears throat> Leo was the first and only choice for Gatsby and was the first person cast, of course, naturally. Um, mm-hmm. Toby was second, was the second person cast. And at the time, he just lived right next door to Leo. Um, so, <laughs> he just, Leo just called him and he came over. He's like, sure, great. I'll be there in 30 seconds. And then they had a meeting about it and it was all set. Did he live next door to him, or did he live on the DiCaprio complex? I think he probably lived on the DiCaprio complex. But he said said next door, but... um, That's what Leo says about his mom, but it's on the DiCaprio complex. Oh, my God. Was Toby living with Leo's mom? No, there there are other houses there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. Um, And then for a while, it was just the two of them that were the only two cast, and so they would just go into a room, like uh, an apartment with... Baz Luhrmann and just like read the book to each other oh that's so cute and then um one day the the window was open and they were in the city and uh Baz Luhrmann could hear some like jazz playing off in the distance and like listening to the um the dialogue while he's listening to the jazz out the window like created that whole part when they go to the apartment Tom and Myrtle's apartment Mm -hmm. and there's like jazz in the streets that's like the feel he was trying to recreate with these like days when they would go sit in a room and read to each other. Oh, <laughs> that's really cute. Isn't it? Oh, oh, I have so much more cuteness coming. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in the scene where Gatsby goes to Nick's house to meet Daisy for the first time, mm-hmm. they used hundred, uh, a hundred thousand liters of water to create the rain. And then it rained for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that hurt Leo's soul. I know. I bet he was just crying. <laughs> and he was like, and I'm wasting more water from my eyes. My tear water is wasted. Uh, Gatsby's house in the movie is actually Baz Luhrmann's high school. Uh, they added to it and created the rest of the house with computer graphics. So it's just like kind of for the base for the house. But mm-hmm. and then they added stuff. But it's Baz Luhrmann's high school. Like in Australia? Uh-huh. This was filmed in Australia. Shut up. Huh. Who knew? Uh, I thought we did. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to play Jay Gatsby because he was drawn to the idea, these are quote, the idea of a man who came from absolutely nothing, who created himself solely from his own imagination. I feel like he's talking about himself there. Mm-hmm. Um, Gatsby's one of those iconic characters because he can be interpreted in so many ways. A hopeless romantic, a completely obsessed wacko, or a dangerous gangster clinging to wealth. So that's why Leo wanted to play Gatsby. And didn't have anything yeah. to do with like the uh, pining for a lady you can't have? Nope. No, he didn't mention Who that. Who was married to a billionaire? Um, He didn't mention that. No. He didn't mm. mention that. Mm. <laughs> um, we talked earlier about the voiceover stuff. Um, that All of the stuff that was voiceover wasn't even from The Great Gatsby. It had stuff taken from other Fitzgerald works. Which what? I feel... Yeah. That's not possible. Um, it is possible. There's like definitely stuff that's in the book, though. No, no, no. Not all of it. Just some of it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said yeah. none of it was... No, 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 no. <laughs> um... Specifically the part when he's describing that dirty city part. What's that? What was it called? Oh, I don't remember. The but valley yeah, no, that, or that's, the... That's not in a- Valley of Ashes or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, from that's another, not that's from another work. No, but it's from another Fitzgerald work. So they did stuff like that. I don't like that. So tr- I think they were just trying to add, you know, more of the language in. Yeah, because oh. the, the whole point of doing the voiceover is to not lose Fitzgerald's language, but mm-hmm. it's like it should probably be specific to the story that you're telling. It's Except like, if they wanted it to, like, they wanted to make that a Valley of the Ashes or whatever, whatever feel like Fitzgerald, but there was nothing in the book to describe it, so they just went and found something else. So why didn't they just not have him say it out loud and just show us what it is? Because they wanted the the language of it. But, like, it's just not necessary to steal it from another book. Which is actually very Fitzgeraldian because he stole a lot of his stuff from his wife. <laughs> there, another... So, so that's okay. a nod to I'm him. okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Leo says old sport. Do you want to guess how many times? 12 million. 51 times. Ah. It said 50. That's more reasonable. It said 55 times. And so 51 by Leo, like two by somebody else, and then one each for somebody else. Mm hmm. Okay, here come the actresses that I uh, were cho- were considered to play Daisy Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Okay, Amanda Seyfried. 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 <laughs> I don't know who Rebecca Hall is. I don't either. Okay, well she didn't get the part. Uh, Rachel <laughs> McAdams. <laughs> Rachel McAdams. Ugh. That would have that would have sucked. Yeah, she she just like doesn't carry things well Kira Knightley no No, definitely not Blake Lively no I know none of these people are like pixie enough uh um Michelle Williams could have done it uh she's actually the person who was in my head Mm -hmm. that could have done it yeah and Um, Emma Stone I think could have done it yeah she could have too Natalie Portman oh god they're always wanting to cast her in things you know Anne Hathaway Never. Olivia Wilde. She would have been okay. She would have been um, good as Jordan, though. Yeah, she would have been a good Jordan. Jessica Alba. No. Or Scarlett Johansson. Never. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you need somebody who's like delicate and pixie-like, because that's yeah. how she's described in the book. And you need somebody who like who who's frail, like has physical frailty and vulnerability the same way that Daisy does emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck was consi- was considered to play the role of Tom Buchanan. He actually would have been really good. <laughs> he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. After Affleck dropped out, Bradley Cooper considered. The Bradley Coopers. Mm-hmm. The um, Bradley Coopers is always being considered for, to be with Leo, <laughs> and he never is. And I would like for that to be remedied. I know it would be really nice. Um, maybe he can be in the FBI movie, the the next one. He'd be very good in that. We don't know what it is. I know, but he'd be very <laughs> good in it. <laughs> He's the Bradley Coopers. He can do whatever he, he wants. He's very good. Um, apparently, he can't play Tom Buchanan though. So. No, he's too, he's too, he, even though he, like he can be a dick, but not in that way. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> like he needs to be, uh, still be charming. And Tom isn't even charming. No. Tom is uh, just frightening. Joel, I guess you'll say is Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, he Egerton. Is, Egert, Ed, Edgerton. He was cast. So Bradley hmm. did not get it. Yeah. He was very good. He looked perfect. Yeah. And he's scary. He scares yeah. me. <laughs> he has like that that like domestic violence vibe. <laughs> he don't. <laughs> I think he could also play a really good Stanley Kowalski. Uh, I hope no one ever describes me as having a, a real domestic violence vibe. He has that real domestic violence vibe. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> a little too sweaty. A little too angry. A little too much vigor. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does have that domestic violence vibe. He does. That's why he was so good. <laughs> he was very good. He was very good. You know who else could have done it, actually? Who? <laughs> Billy Zane. Oh, yeah, but that would have just been too much. Everyone have, one would have just seen him as Cal Hockley. It's true. And Cal's also, like, a little too gay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I know he's not, but he's like, he's very well, theatrical. He very, he very well could have been. Oh, he, yeah, he could have been. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to pick a piece of jewelry. He certainly does. Mm, he does. Okay. All right. Would you like some background? Yes, please. <coughs> I have some really good background on this. Baz Luhrmann was fulfilling one of his bucket list items. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Saying fulfilling a bucket list item, all I can see is him holding a little red pail and filling it with, with items. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was taking the Trans-Siberian Express. That's like so depressing. <laughs> well, yes, it turned out to be. It turned out to be less than exciting. He was so bored and he didn't know what to do. So he ended up getting out some of his books on tape 
and he listened to one of them and it happened to be The Great Gatsby, which he secretly owned the rights to and had for years. Wow. Uh-huh. I didn't foresight, Baz Luhrmann, foresight. Yeah. I like that guy. But he listened. He sat and listened to the book for six hours and he thought that The Great Gatsby had the perfect cinematic structure but decided that he wanted to fix the major problem of uh, that people have had in the past of it being um, mostly from Nick's perspective or being from Nick's brain, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't think he did that, right? No, I don't. Yeah. Well, he tried. He tried. I know. He tried. <laughs> he gave it the old he gave it the old Baz Luhrmann try. He did. <laughs> he did. Um, and he made The Great Gatsby. Uh, the Great Gatsby was released on May 10th, 2013, when Leo was 38 years old. Um, it's his second collaboration with Baz Luhrmann, the first being, of course, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, so the first uh, movie that they made together was Romeo and Juliet in 1996. Leo, of course, um, stars as Gatsby, and it also stars his BFF. I was waiting for you to say it. Oh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. Carrie Mulligan. Toby Maguire. <laughs> and Joel. I, what's his last name? Egerton. But it's E D. I don't know. I've heard it at Egerton. Egerton. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was a box office success, but was met with lukewarm reception by critics who thought that Baz Luhrmann focused too much on the visual effects and not enough on the story. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I think it was important to have all those visual effects. Yeah, but it's also you have you have nothing if you don't have a story. Yeah, so you need all that um all the uh glitz and glamour to make it attractive. But you don't because you don't even have a lot of a ton of that in the book. Mm. And you still the book's still great. Well, I know, well, yes, but okay. Yes. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been there. I'm just saying that the balance is off. Okay. But now I want to take a moment to talk about something really important. Okay. Something central to this movie. And that is the greatest bromance in the history of bromances. Leo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. Oh, they went Tobes. I did not know much about their friendship, but I went and did a little research and I found some things out. Please tell us. Okay. So... Leo and Toby's friendship has spanned decades. In an interview with Esquire, Leo reminisced about the first time he ever met Toby, back when he was a struggling 12-year-old actor. It's <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. Leo says, I literally jumped out of the car. I was like, Toby, Toby, hey, hey. And he was like, oh, yeah, I know you. You're that guy. <laughs> but I just made him my pal. When I want someone to be my friend, I just make them my friend. Oh, my God. I want Leo to want me to be his friend. I know. (laughs) Um, When Leo wanted to discuss Toby. Oh, I I kind of. No, I already talked about this. Never mind. No, that was about the 30 seconds going to the door because they live next door to each other on the Mm. compound. Do you think Mm. Toby knows where the the sex grotto is? Of course he does. Do you think he's been in there? Yeah, you. I'm sure he gets to use it. He's uh, the thing I read so that only Leo does. But I wonder if he shares with Toby. Yeah, probably. Um, Toby says that they mostly talk about basketball and play basketball and go to basketball games. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that's their thing. That's like the part of their <laughs> friendship is basketball, which guess what? Guess what my favorite sport is? Soccer. Um, no. <laughs> um, it's basketball. <laughs> I was just being a jerk. Um, uh, Leo is a godfather to uh, Toby's son. Ru- son, oh my god! Leo is godfather. <laughs> Leo is godfather to Toby's Toby's daughter Ruby. And That's why he went to her cl- her class play looking like a drunk dad. Mm-hmm. And he is uncle to both of his children, who are named Ruby oh. and and Otis. Uncle Leo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby says that he, that Leo joins them on all their big family things and that he does things like cutting up their food and picking them up across the street. Oh my God, that's so adorable. Yeah. He cuts up their food. They're like 10 now. Well, I, I, like he did. Oh, okay. I don't, okay. Know <laughs> he, I don't know if he does anymore. 
Uh, after every scene in The Great Gatsby, they would meet alone and tell each other the honest truth about their performances. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful friendship. I like this almost like it's like on par with Joe Biden and Barack Obama. Um, Leo said that he has discussed every single project he's ever done with Toby. He said that every single choice he's ever made, he first talked to Toby about. Like in life or acting wise? I don't know. He just said every single choice. So I'm going to like let that be in life and in acting. But I think he was referring to acting. So if we want to get Kate and Leo together, we need to get Toby on board. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, Toby. If you're listening, I know you have a Google <laughs> alert for Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, maybe we haven't been published about, so maybe you don't know about us. But if you do, call me. Let's chat. Let's get Kate and Leo together. You know it's right. We know it's right. Maybe he doesn't know it's right. He might. He might be the problem. <laughs> Toby, you might be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you might be keeping your friend from lifelong happiness. <laughs> I think though he was just referring to uh, his acting, acting choices, but probably real life as well. I don't know. Um, and lastly, Leo beat out Toby for several roles, including the role of Toby in this boy's life. But eventually Toby McGuire stopped going to auditions. If he knew he'd be up against Leo because he knew he wouldn't get the part. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. And wasn't Leo asked to play Spider-Man first and he said, let Toby have it? I don't think, I don't know if he said let Toby have it, but he said no. He said he was, yeah. yeah. I I bet he said no for Toby. And also because it would require him to work out a lot. (laughs) What if, what if he was also going to be in Seabiscuit? (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Oh, Seabiscuit. What a heartbreaking story. Oh, wait, heartbreaking. It's heart uplifting. Oh, it's heartbreaking. So many poor people. Oh, yeah. It's the Great Depression. It's <laughs> I heartbreaking. Know. I know. The I know. The whole thing was, is heartbreaking. Okay. Yeah. It's, you're right. Um, And that's that's it, though. That's my the end of that. I like that very much. Are you ready for some plot? Uh, Plot me up. Okay. So um, because this book uh, that this is based off of is sort of a book that our demographic is very likely to have read. I'm going to do like not as many details. Also, if you haven't read it, go read it right now. Yeah, it's really it's an American masterpiece and you it's should the really great enjoy American it. novel. You guys, it's the great American <laughs> novel. OK. <laughs> um, all right. So The Great Gatsby is a story told by Nick Carraway, a nice Midwestern boy who wanted to be a writer but has gone to New York to make his fortune on Wall Street. He tells the story of the summer of 1922, uh, where he lived on Long Island next door to a mysterious and eccentric, newly rich business tycoon, Jay Gatsby. Are we chain of Leo-zing right now? Because Uh, isn't our next one the Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, we'll get there, man. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Gatsby is known for throwing huge wild parties every weekend that all of New York comes to. Um, Nick also spends a fair amount of time with his uber wealthy cousin Daisy and her husband Tom Buchanan and a famous lady golfer named Jordan Baker. Um, I only say lady golfer because her name is Jordan, which is like gender neutral. And I wanted people to be clear. I don't okay. I don't just feel that we need to put lady in front of things that ladies do. Um, so Tom call, Bu- that's what they call her in the book, don't they? Oh, you go for I, don't, I don't know. Um, so Tom Buchanan is a total dick uh, who makes Nick hide his affair with a woman named Myrtle from Daisy. And Daisy is pretty depressed and lonely, but rather than uh, but rather comfortable in her, you know, lavish trappings uh nick is invited to one of gatsby's parties which no one else is ever invited they just show up and is lucky enough to meet the man himself who few have um in a private moment gatsby asks jordan to ask nick to invite his cousin to tea alone his cousin being daisy alone because it turns out they were in love five years ago before world war one and he's been pining for her forever even though she gave up on him coming back for her and married tom Uh, So that's like super high school. He's like asking Jordan to ask Nick if Nick can ask Daisy to come over for tea all by herself because he he really loves her. He's pretty pretty emotionally stunted. Yeah. Uh, So now that Gatsby has become a wealthy and successful man, he has a plan to get Daisy back. And it all starts with Nick inviting 
Daisy to T. Um, Nick and Gatsby become close friends. Gatsby and Daisy rekindle their romance after they meet again at Nick's, and Gatsby stops throwing his famous parties because he was only throwing them in the hopes that Daisy would come and they would be reunited. So he was throw. He became a giant rich man. He bought a crazy house and threw parties just so she might walk in the door. Um, in fact, he it's really even a bought good his plan. It's really a yeah, good plan. It's it's well thought out. It's much better than just sending someone a freaking letter. <laughs> like, hi, I'm alive. Hey, what's up? Um, I'll be, you know, behind the bushes tonight. Mm-hmm. Come meet me and let's run away because I've always been in love with you. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a good plan B when that one doesn't work out. Exactly, exactly. Um, In fact, he even bought his house because it was directly across the bay from Daisy's house and he can always see the green light at the end of her dock. Hey guys, that's called a stalker. Yeah, it is. This is this is not even just light stalking. This is very heavy stalking. There is something wrong with this man. Yes. (laughs) But he's also very attractive. So people are cool with it. And he throws Um, large parties. Mm-hmm. Um, as things progress between Gatsby and Daisy, they decide Daisy is going to leave Tom and live uh, the life she always wanted with Gatsby. And they're going to tell Tom at the world's most uncomfortable lunch, which Nick and Jordan are present for. Because when you're going to tell your husband you're going to leave him for another man, you want your cousin and your best friend there. You absolutely want it to be some sort of, if you're thinking of doing this, you want it to be some sort of production, um, and something with entertainment value for the people there. Mm-hmm. No. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, Daisy panics when the moment comes and makes everyone drive to the city where Tom insists on renting the penthouse at the Plaza at the Plaza Hotel because he's figured out that Daisy and Gatsby are about to drop this bomb on him and he wants to keep control of the situation. Because he's a dick. Yeah, he sucks. Tom, Jordan, and Nick all drive in Gatsby's famous yellow car while Gatsby and Daisy drive in Tom's blue car. Because, you know, when you want to mess with a man, you take his car. To get to the city, they have to pass Tom's girlfriend's house, and she sees Tom in Gatsby's car as he stops to get gas. Myrtle's husband, that's Tom's girlfriend, who is also a gas station owner, uh, tells Tom that he found out his wife was having an affair and that he's moving her west to get her away from her side piece. Uh, Tom is disgruntled because losing your lady sucks. Uh, In the hotel room, Gatsby tells Tom Daisy is leaving him and that she never loved him, but when pressed on it, Daisy says she actually did love Tom once, and even though she loved Gatsby the whole time too she can't say that she never loved Tom Gatsby is not pleased with this and Tom Tom rubs it in his face and Gatsby loses his cool and almost smashes Tom's face in which scares the bejesus out of Daisy Everybody calms down rather quickly, if you ask me, and they all drive back to Long Island, but this time they switch cars again, as you do, um, and with Gatsby and Daisy in his yellow car. As Gatsby and Daisy drive past Myrtle, back past Myrtle's house, Myrtle runs out in a frantic, crazy manner uh, and tries to stop the yellow car, but she instead gets hit by Gatsby's car and killed instantly. Uh, shortly after Tom drives by and stops to see what all the fuss is about, he finds Myrtle dead and is also confronted by several witnesses who saw him driving the yellow car earlier. He says he was driving it earlier, but that he's not now, and the car belongs to a man named Gatsby. Um, when they get back to Tom and Daisy's house, Nick is sickened and refuses to go in. He finds Gatsby hiding in the bushes, insisting that he, that he wait to make sure Daisy is all right before going home. Gatsby admits to Nick that it was Daisy driving the car and not him. Therefore, Daisy killed Myrtle. But he is going to take the fall to keep Daisy out of trouble. Nick goes, uh, goes home, but very early in the morning comes across Gatsby washing Myrtle's blood off of his car. Nick tells Gatsby to get out of town, but he refuses because he needs to give Daisy more time to leave Tom on her own. Um, as the sun rises, Gatsby asks Nick if he wants to take a swim because he hasn't used the pool all summer. Um, <laughs> Nick declines because he has to go to work because he is a plebeian, uh, but sees that Gatsby has the telephone brought out to the pool so he can wait for Daisy's call while swimming. However, Myrtle's unhinged husband has decided not only that Gatsby killed Myrtle, but that he was also her lover. Not quite sure how he got there, but whatever. Grief is weird. Um, he goes to Gatsby's house and shoots Gatsby as he stands up out of the pool to answer a phone call, which he presumes is Daisy, but is actually Nick calling 
to check up on him. Gatsby falls backward into the pool and dies. Myrtle's husband then kills himself. Nick takes uh, care of funeral arrangements for Gatsby and is upset that no one who came to the parties comes out to pay their respects. And really, it's just the press there. And they have bought the whole story about Myrtle, uh, about Gatsby being Myrtle's lover and killer, uh, hook, line, and sinker. Um, He's particularly pissed that Daisy doesn't show up and won't take his phone calls. One day he calls and is told that Daisy and Tom have left indefinitely and he never hears from her again. Uh, Nick falls into a depression and leaves New York. Now, that's the end of the story. (laughs) Um, In the movie... Uh, I have to add, because I didn't put it in here. In the movie, there is this framing device where Nick is in a hospital being treated for alcoholism, and his psychiatrist has him write a book as therapy, which is not something that psychiatrists typically tell you to do. I was thinking Um, that was not a psychiatrist. I was thinking it was like some just like, you know, cardiologist or something. (laughs) Like, why don't you write about it? Yeah, but then he like also gives him his office and it's just yeah. like, right. And he's like sleeping in his office. I'm like, no, you don't just let your patients sleep in your office. Um, but this whole framing device is 100% not in the book. So in the movie, Nick is an alcoholic who like goes on a bender after Gatsby's funeral and has to be hospitalized for treatment. Um, but in the book, he just writes the book because he he's a writer and he wanted to tell this story and honestly i think that's a good enough reason i think that's a good enough reason too if we start thinking that we need reasons to tell stories then everything just becomes moulin rouge like baz Luhrmann loves a good drunk man writing about a woman he lost or a person he (laughs) lost you know and like i it it bothered me i was i actually felt like that made it too close to moulin rouge for me and that was one of the things that like just kind of was like "Eh, i don't really like this so yeah, that's the move or that's the story. It ends very abruptly, and as you can tell, there's not a lot of meat to the story. Um, in spite of the fact that I don't really like this movie very much, um, I do really love the party scenes because who doesn't want to go to a Gatsby party? And like people don't really get what that means when they throw them. <laughs> that always like there's all these like salons and like like places that you'll see that pop up and they're called Gatsby's, and I'm like. He wasn't really fancy. Like, that's the whole point, is that he wasn't great. He's, like, fake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But my real favorite scene in both the book and the movie is when Daisy goes to Gatsby's house for the first time, and he's Mm -hmm. showing her all of the fine and beautiful things that he has, and he starts throwing all of his, like, silk shirts around. And at first, Daisy is, like, joyful at, like, catching all the shirts and, like, dancing in them. Um, but then she collapses into sobs and he doesn't understand and Nick is watching them and Nick understands that Daisy is crying because the shirts symbolize the life she wants and knows she can't have with Gatsby. And it's just like, it's a really visually beautiful scene, but that's also like completely heartbreaking. And it's like the whole story is encompassed in this one scene of like, even though he's become the man, he, he, he's like got the American dream. It's still not enough. Because he's not as stable as Tom, really. And she doesn't have a child with him. And Mm -hmm. women couldn't ask for divorces back then. That's like another part of the story that I'm like, she can't just leave him. She wasn't allowed to ask for a divorce. He had to ask for a divorce. Even when, you know, like um, Gatsby's like, she's leaving you. And then he's like, no, she's not. And she screams, I am, though. Like, he basically shuts her down like she's a child. Like, (laughs) no, you don't have any control here. You're not leaving me. Yeah, because women were basically legally children back then. Mm-hmm. They were like wards of their husbands. Um, and yeah, I think that that scene is, it's like visually stunning the way that it, it was exactly what it, it looked like in my head. And a lot of these scenes weren't what it looked like in my head um, because I was dumb when I read it and I didn't know what the 1920s looked like. Um, <laughs> what did you picture? I don't even really remember like a lot of times when I picture when I'm reading and I picture books in my head like they're very blurry like it's almost like a dream like things aren't very specific in my head Mm -hmm. but I'll except for like characters but I almost never imagine the character that is telling the story. So I had no idea what Nick would look like because Mm. whenever I'm reading a story that's a first-person narrative, I am actually seeing it through their eyes. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have, like Katniss Everdeen, I also was like, I don't know what she looks like. Yeah. 
So when when Jennifer Lawrence was cast and people were like, that's not what Katniss looks like. I was like, how do you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. There, there were just... It, I think I didn't quite understand the the decadence of the twenties, because um, like I mean, it just it looked like a great time to be a rich white person. I mean, but when isn't a good time to be a rich white person? <laughs> that was a stupid sentence. No, but um, there were party. Everybody came to the parties. The I know. Stars. I'm <laughs> like now, but there are parties like that now. But I'm now convinced that someone should rent a mansion on Long Island and just throw giant parties every weekend all summer. That would be amazing. I couldn't afford to go to them, but I would like to pretend that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I also, this is like, so the book does this really well, but the movie almost does this part even better. Like, I love that it captures the like slight alcoholic fervor that is moving to New York. Mm. <laughs> like, I feel like most people who move here, even even like, you know, like the, you move here and you want to meet people and be out in the world. And especially if you move here in the winter, like the only places to go are like bars. And so everyone ends up drinking way more than they should. And after a few months, you're like, whoa, I need to like calm down here a little bit. <laughs> um, and this is like, it's a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme in these parts. But like New York is so fun when you first get here and everything is magical and you haven't learned how awful it can be here. And everyone is constantly inviting you to go to bars and parties and you're, you very much like allow yourself to get swept up in it but eventually most people sort of go oh god this is not good and calm down a little bit I mean either that or you run out of money or you know you realize that like you just can't consume so much booze um but the movie does a really good job of capturing the like feverish pace at which your first few months in New York City kind of operate and I really liked that I I thought that was really kind of very very true to the experience while being like heightened and cartoony what particular scene are you what would you say does that the best um I think the scene in Tom and Myrtle's apartment when Nick first goes when he's supposed to go to the lunch at the Yale club with Mm -hmm. Tom and they end up picking up Tom's mistress and going to their apartment and partying Mm -hmm. I think I mean like I didn't ever go to a lot of house parties here but um, but it definitely captures like just how much fun people are having. Mm-hmm. Um, and not always healthy fun. Most of the time, not healthy fun. But yeah, no, it does a really good job of that. And, and, and there is just sort of this like frantic pace to this movie. Like everyone's terrified that they're running out of time. And that's like a feeling that exists here all the time too. Yes. I would say that's actually true <laughs> about yeah. New York. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we have the phrase in a New York minute. Mm-hmm. Our minutes are literally shorter than other people's. No, they're not literally shorter than other people's. They're figuratively shorter than other people's. Thank you. Thank you. God, grammar police. <laughs> um, my favorite scene is the very first party uh, mm. that he goes to when he's <laughs> he's like so pumped that he is invited He's like, I have an invitation. Well, I have an invitation. Like, nobody cares. And he's just flashing it everywhere. Like, the biggest dork in the world. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he looks like a total <laughs> rube. He's like, I've been invited. And then he, he re- when he gets embarrassed about it, he's like, okay, I'm just going to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it's so colorful. It's so sparkly, which, what are two things I love? Color and sparkle. The music is amazing. And I was watching um, this uh, interview with Baz Luhrmann where he was talking about well he he did all the music and he was present for the recordings of all the music um, and he directed all the music or, um, but the party scenes he he said I wasn't just trying to be clever and cute by mixing um, 20s music with uh, hip hop I was doing that because I want people to understand what kind of party this was like if you're watching it in 2013 and you don't, and it's 20s music, you, you don't get that feeling of like, this is a huge party unless it's like mixed with something that you would associate with party music. So I think there's also like, like a, like a racial tone to that as well. Not like a bad one, but like pointing out that like, like parties in the 20s that were like civilized and full members of society would not have had black music at them. 
right jazz music yeah and they wouldn't they just wouldn't like it that was like 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 now we're all like oh I would have been a flapper and it's like no if you're not running around in like a skin tight tube dress and platform shoes with eyelashes that are like really really long and going to the club every weekend like you wouldn't have been a flapper that was the equivalent of a flapper um and so I think you get the idea also that these parties were seen not only as like fun times for they they weren't fun times for decent people they were like ruckus wild parties mm-hmm. and and you get that sense in part because of like the the racial undertones of how music was like black music was perceived in the 20s mm-hmm. it's also kind of, like it'd be like a studio 54 kind of thing like that would be yeah. like the 70s version or whatever um yeah, so I like that whole like I like the whole scene up until oh god I love when you're first introduced to Gatsby. Oh yeah, when he's that's good. He just turns around. I'm Gatsby, <laughs> like, and he looks. It's so, the gift that everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The, you know, when you're cheersing anybody, you're gonna send that picture. But it's even better on film though because the music is like dun 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 da da da, and there's fireworks going off behind his head, and he looks. So handsome. The Gatsby swoop is in full force. His hair is golden. His eyes are bright blue. He's tan. He's not drunk dad. That's for sure. Yeah. No, his his body was banging in this movie, too. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't really get to see it ex- except for in his 1920s swimsuit. Well, it was a really um, sexy suit. But like, you know, he, so you're like, he's not rocking the dad bod quite yet. No, he looked. This is his. So it's the best hair movie, do, it, but you think Titanic is still the best looking movie overall? Yeah. 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 This is number two for me, though, I think. Yeah. And then maybe so Romeo and Juliet. He's so young in Romeo and Juliet, though, that I like feel weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's of age. <laughs> I know he's of age, but it still feels weird because he just looks like a tiny boy and he's playing like a 17 year old. <laughs> No, but I love the scene when they're introducing Gatsby because um, right before you meet him, like everybody's gossiping about him and you get like this built up, like what the myth of Gatsby is. And they go into that room. Uh, Jordan and um, Nick go into like the big library and there's that old dude in there who basically Mm -hmm. just tells you the story. Like this house is fake and he's fake. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't exist. You're not going to find him. He's not a real man. And they're like, oh, whatever. Like, they don't get it but right there like they give you the whole he like they crumble him like right away <laughs> yeah did they ever tell you in the movie that Gatsby is not his real name yeah it's James Gats did they tell you that in the movie though mm-hmm. I don't remember that happening yeah in the scene um where they do the flashback of his childhood and there's that kid that looks just like him and then there's like the teenager Jack Dawson getting pulled mm-hmm. out of the ocean and it to- totally freaks me out because they use Leo's voice and this other guy's face. Yeah, I didn't it's like so, that at all. It's so <laughs> weird. I, I don't like it. It was so weird. And they, he doesn't really look like Leo, so it's even weirder. Yeah. He's like an elf version of Leo. He's like an Abercrombie version of Leo. That's you know? true. Yeah. Like yeah. He would have been if Leo had been an Abercrombie model. But Leo mm-hmm. had, you know, too much edge. You know, he was really into hip hop. He was a pop and lock dancer. He was a pop and lock dancer. Still is. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so uh, I don't know. I love this movie. My, yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything more to say. Um, how many Oscars are you going to give Leo for his performance in The Great Gatsby? I hadn't really thought of it. Let me think of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just put it this way. I'm going to give him 19. And I don't even like the movie. <laughs> I think he's a great Gatsby. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. No, I think he d- he he plays Gatsby very well. He looks exactly like what Gatsby's supposed to look like, and he does play this like sort of image obsessed, frantic social climber very well. He has who, this. Uh, he does the accent um, that kind of similar to the J. Edgar one, except it works so much better here because yeah, it's like old this sport. Yeah, over affected speech that is kind of like almost irritating because it's it's like god that's not that good but it's supposed to be because he's pretending so <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it's again it's supposed to be he's he's supposed to have that mid-atlantic accent that no longer exists like the kennedy or like not the kennedys but like jackie kennedy had it mm-hmm. and katherine hepburn had it mm-hmm. 
the calla lays are in bloom again. <laughs> I'm going to give him um, uh, 24, actually. 24. I believe yeah. that is the highest number of Oscars we have given, or you have given, Leo, on this show. No. Oh. What did I give? No, no, no. Then I don't mean that. <laughs> because um, the highest, I mean for the highest to be Django. Oh. I don't remember what you gave him for Django. Whatever, 24. He gets 24. I love Beautiful. this. I love it. It's my favorite. I will watch it 100 times more. Um, I bought it so just so that I could have it go on in the background. But I, of course, stop it when, um, at the last, when uh, Tom and um, Tom and Daisy come to his party together. Then I'm just like, click, done. Yeah. It's a good idea. Because once Tom gets gets involved, it's it's just hideous. Because Tom's Tom disgusting. Is, Tom is bad news bears. And it's he also has like, a Tom, dumb face. You, why wouldn't Tom just like let Daisy leave and then go get Myrtle? I have a question for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Do you con- you know how people are always like at Halloween, they're Daisy and Gatsby. Do you consider Daisy and Gatsby to be a good love story? Mm, no, because he's a stalker. Because <laughs> he's obsessed with her. Yeah, but he's like the worst kind of stalker because he never actually like if he really wanted her, why didn't he just like reach out to her? I know he sends her the letter the day before her wedding, but that's like a little too late, dude. Or just like like send her an invitation, invite her to tea at your house or something like that. Like don't throw random ass parties for years on end, hoping she's going to come in and then stand at the end of your dock, reaching across toward the green light that is at the end of... It's insane. This is not healthy behavior. No, they are not a good love story. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I don't think they're a good love story either. I think that he has some serious, serious issues uh, just on probably every level. And so does Daisy. He, well, when he was a child, he thought that he was God. I mean, he thought he was the son of God and not his own parents. Yeah, he's not a well man. He's, he's not a well man. He's a very handsome man, um, but he's not a well man. And um, Daisy, I just, I've never liked her as a character. Like, Oh, I like her as a character, but she's not like a good person. But the, there's like a line in it. No, that no, that's what I mean. Like, I've never let, thought, like, liked her as like a, like as a hero. Like, yeah. You know, no, because she's, she's not. She's mm-hmm. she's awful. Yeah, she's and she really and t- she and Tom one hundred percent deserve each other. Mm-hmm. And there's like the, there's the line in the book that and Nick comes to that conclusion too. He's like they're careless people who come in and smash things up and then like run away. But I mm-hmm. also am like Nick, you're also super careless. He was like completely careless with everybody's feelings. He just like invited his cousin and ambushed her with her stalker. Oh, yeah, that wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't he say to her like, hey, my neighbor is Jay Gatsby. He says he's an old friend of yours. He wants to meet you for tea. Is that chill? Yeah. And let her decide. But he didn't let her decide. And he threw her back into this like completely overly emotional relationship that she could not be in. So he's just as careless as everybody else. And he smashed things up and then like went to a hospital for alcoholism. Basically, though, it's these are all very bored people. These are people that good people, but like their morals are crumbling underneath as well. Yeah, because when you have money, nothing matters. You have no Mm -hmm. consequences for your actions. You can smash up the vases in the Plaza Hotel and... So you never have to deal with it. You just sign a check and somebody takes care of it for you. So but they would. They're all cheating on each other. Too, yeah. Though. Like, you know, uh, Tom's so pissed about this Gatsby thing, but he's had this lady on the side for a while that yeah. he actually prefers to his own wife. He just doesn't want. I think that uh, Nick says something like they both slipped away in one day and it was too much for Tom. Like that's yeah. when he totally, that's when he totally freaks out and loses it. And then Gatsby I'm sorry, but she says, I love you now. Isn't that enough? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, what's, you haven't seen her in five years. You're surprised she, like, fell in love with someone else in that time? Yeah, because he's so great. He's the great oh. Gatsby. He is not great. He's handsome mm. and he throws a good party. Yeah. Um, I also would like to point out that in this story, the people that actually face the consequences for what these people do 
are the either newly rich or the poor. Mm. So Myrtle and her husband, mm-hmm. Gatsby and Nick. Yep. And like Tom and Daisy get off scot-free and just like yeah. move to Europe. <laughs> Where they'll do it all again. Yeah. 100% because they can walk away anytime they want because they're completely wealthy. Um, yeah, this this story says a lot of very interesting things about the American dream that I would like to like look into a little bit more. I don't really have the ability to speak on them at the moment, but I have some ideas. All right, let us know when you're ready. I will, I will, but it's not going to be right now. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to say about The Great Gatsby? Um... No, just that I I love the book too, and I think I like them as separate things, hmm. not That's like fair. part of this, not part as the sa- of the same. Like Harry Potter, I love the books and the movies together, like they're the same to me. This, these are two different experiences of the book and the movie, hmm. and I like them both equally. Okay, That's fair. That's fair. And I think, th- oh. wait, and I think the movie did a really good job of showing, like how grand he was supposed to be. Yeah. Know? Nice. Nice. All right. Well, now that the sun is setting and we all need to go stare at the green light in the distance, um, it's time to end the show. In the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Please go subscribe, rate us, leave reviews, and help other people find the podcast. We can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Talk Leo Pod, and our website is Let's Talk About Leo.com. Our theme song was composed by Blake Schmidtberger, and the rest is just a Meredith and Laura production. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Leo. We'll see you next week when we discuss the reunion of our favorite actor-director team, Lardy, Mio, Martillo, whatever you want to call them, (laughs) in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yay! I can't wait, because now that's my, like, you know, that's the gold standard for me. Uh, Get ready, because this this movie is, like, five hours long. (laughs) Oh, God! How can it possibly be five hours long? It's about a dude on drugs. It's so long. And there's so many drug sequences. So just prepare yourself for that. Ah, okay. Was it good, though? You liked it? Uh, We'll talk uh, about it next week, man. Okay, fine. I just can't wait. All right. All right. Peace out, Boy Scout. Bye. Do